Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Chris Miller. What's going on, brother? How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you jumping on. So you're coming from Indiana. You got 25 years experience. You jumped into the family business of construction. You and your brother, you know, just kind of holding the family business together. And yeah. you built up 44 doors. You're managing them yourself as well in the local yeah. area. Uh, you got some remodels going on right now. I think 25 years of experience. You probably have a couple ups and downs in between. And yeah. something that me and, and the listeners can really learn from. So if you don't mind, I, I, you know, for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind diving into who you are, where you're from, and exactly what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm in um, Northeast Indiana, Fort Wayne area, basically. Uh, again, I've been doing this for 25 years. Sounds crazy. My first house, though, was when I was 16 years old. And just quick little thing. We got that house for uh, essentially $4,000 and put a ton of equity in it. And how it happened was my dad had a construction company and this owner wanted some work done on his house. So my dad traded the work for uh, the house. And so we essentially paid for the work. And we, we kept that house over time. It was a great house. We sold it a few years back. But again, just one of those things by accident, it happened. And from there, like I say, I was 16 at the time and I just saw the value in the passive income and the potential that was there in real estate. And really along the way, started talking to more people by way of happenstance, picked up more properties. And really it happened again by accident every single time up until just a couple of years ago, we became more intentional about our business. So. Okay. I love that. So, you know, diving into those first couple of deals, you guys were pretty much just trading the, the labor behind it and, and partnering up almost like a joint venture and then selling the property? No, no. Essentially, we were just buying the house either outright or in that particular case, one where we traded, we, yeah. we work on the guy's house, on the owner's own personal house. This was a rental house of his at the time. Was done with it. And uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a mess. It was basically the size of a mobile home, but it was a, it was a structure. It was a wood structured house. And um, we gutted the thing down to the studs and just, you know, we were young and dumb, I guess you could say at the time. And we just, we made it work though and kept it as rental. And then we eventually um, sold it. And, but yeah, everything up front was all single family. A couple times we got into a mobile home, which actually we still have to this day. We're in the process of selling that right now. Okay. Along with a couple duplexes along the way. And um, there was a time we, we, uh, purchased land and, and built a duplex from scratch. Um, that was part of a whole nother offshoot of our business. We purchased a property with the intention of putting age restricted apartments there. Okay. And had it rezoned. And so just uh, for the listeners, I don't know out there the age restriction uh, rentals. It's, you know, typically senior citizens. Yes, correct. 55. Okay. Yeah. And okay. there's covenants you could build into your, into your covenants there that, that, that could give you some exceptions. Uh, but in general, it's 55 and older. Okay. And so yeah, so we, we, through that whole process, we learned a lot. Again, it was a trial and error. That was back in 2005 or six, somewhere in there. And um, it just never worked out. Like I said, we did a ton of engineering. We, we got the property rezoned. It, it, it's actually, it could be done right now, but Financially, it doesn't make sense to do it. It's about 30 units on that on that property. Uh, we still own that property. It's just an empty lot right now, four acres. So we just essentially mow it. But since then, we've gone on. We've you know fixed and flip houses, and and uh, then some we've most of them we've kept in for long term holds. But there's some we've flipped along the way as well. So okay, I, I kind of want to just pick apart uh, th this one deal in particular. I mean, you still have it. You're just cutting the grass at this point but the numbers just don't make sense. Yes, correct. 
Um, <clears throat> there could be a lot. I could take it down probably for the next hour telling you about all of it. <laughs> However, in, in general, <clears throat> what happened was the county put a lot of work. We're outside of the metro area. We're yep. not in the metro boundaries. It's outside in the county. Okay. There's a couple issues with stormwater. So there's a lesson in itself right there is stormwater is, is finding out everything necessary for stormwater in a new development. We, we didn't. We went into it a little bit blind. We had an engineer helping us. But what happened was the county wanted us to make improvements to the existing surrounding infrastructure, meaning the streets and storm sewers that were there in place. Mm -hmm. and after doing the engineering, our engineer, who had worked for the county at one time as well, said, it's not our responsibility. Basically, the county is looking for us to help them resolve their problem. Oh, wow. With finding that out and um, the fact that all the cost, we would have been making, you know, two, three percent return. It's just crazy low numbers. So yeah. it makes sense for us financially at the time. And uh, we had purchased the property for cash. So we had no, there's no overhead on the property, no urgency to sell it this time. If something comes along down the road, because in that same little town, I have another 20 unit complex as well. And that one is not restricted at all. There's no age restriction on that. However, I get probably at least two, three, four phone calls a week for people wanting to rent applicants there. Mm -hmm. And so we keep a waiting list. So I know that the, the demand is there. Yeah. If it ever comes to the point someday, you know, maybe this property here will build on as well. Um, just bite the bullet and do it. Maybe restrictions will change too. You know, maybe the, the county guidelines will change. So, so what would you say, I guess, is your, your biggest like learning curve in that situation? I assume just doing a little bit more of the due diligence with the county and understanding like what well, what you're yeah. responsible for and what they're responsible for. Yeah, definitely. So one thing I, um, but I did have, I hired and had an engineer in place who was yeah. familiar with all that. And, and it was all pretty straightforward. There were some things we had to work around. We did those workarounds. Uh, but again, it all comes down to, at least in our area, comes down to what the county decides. And uh, either you do it or you don't. So it's either you get a permit or you don't. And um, yeah, so, you know, but I agree it definitely. One thing is that we had to get to a, a, a natural drain, which at the time when I bought the property, I didn't understand that again, because going into a little bit blind at that point, and we were essentially half a block away from a natural drain. So we had to buy a couple properties in between. Yeah. Uh, but that was fine. We built a duplex, like I say, on one of them. And, and um, so, yeah. Okay. So overall in that, particular situation it was more or less just like the final say of the county that they yeah. did yeah okay yeah yeah because even all the you know we did you we did, did everything right <laughs> yeah we did we did feasibility studies up front yeah. uh, the engineer helped us with that we sent out postcards i mean this is back in 05 06 that technology is a little bit different than we sent yeah. out postcards to the surrounding property owners as well as who we thought may be potential uh, future tenants to get some feedback on amenities that they would like to see. And we had a lot of positive response with this. So we thought we did our homework, but again, it just comes down to what the county decides. Okay. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about, you know, maybe the crash and how that affected you in just a moment. But mm -hmm. for those that don't know, like, what are you, what are you doing now? It sounds like you mentioned a few bigger multifamily and uh, yeah. So, so what happened was, Again, but like I say, up until a couple of years ago, I just let things just kind of happen. It was really a side hustle. It was a hobby for me. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I still have a great passion for real estate. But so I just did little one knockoffs here and there, you know, yeah. single families, a couple duplexes. And <clears throat> seeing the power in numbers and the economies of scale, you know, there was this little, in this town, there's a little 20 unit apartment complex that I always kept my eye on, thought it'd be a great place. And long story short, through personal contact was the lead source on it. Um, I just kept talking to the owner every once in a while I'd see him and you know, I, he just shot me a number, which was extremely low from what I thought that he decided, yeah, I'll sell it. And it's literally just, I asked him about it one day after him telling me no many times over. And he all of a sudden said yes. And two days later, he called me back with this low number and we bought it. And again, we just kind of jumped into it. We learned a lot, but it's been a great property for us. So through that, I learned more that man, this is great numbers. So that's where we're really going is multifamily. Uh, that was in 2012 that we purchased that. And then in 17, again, through a direct mail contact, we 
purchased a 15 unit complex in actually in Fort Wayne in the city limits. And that's been a great one for us as well. So that's really where we're moving is, is the multifamily um, trying to scale it up. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, after having single family houses and then multifamily, you see similar amount of work, but then at the end of the day, the, the results are, the income is, is a lot more beneficial and rewarding. So let's talk about this deal for a second though, because I feel like this is pretty intriguing. I'm curious about the numbers. You know, he came back at a lot lower than you assumed, seemed like a steal. So yeah. do you know, did you ever figure out the science behind, like what was there something like that number that he came up with, did he need to pay off something or he just wanted to put that in the bank or like what, how'd that number come about? Well, he never told me how he came up with the number exactly. You just closed I, on it really quick. You're like, I yeah, got exactly. It. We jumped on it, <laughs> which we honestly did because let me back up before this time we were extremely blessed. We never had any debt on our properties. Oh, I um, love that. That's awesome. Everything was, everything was free and clear all the time. We never oh. even took a loan on anything, let alone paid it off. So we wow. just saved cash along the way and bought good deals and we were patient. Yeah. And I said patient, but persistent. You know, it, it, it gets frustrating sometimes trying to be patient, but um, that's what you have to do. You, you don't rush into a deal just because you want to do a deal. Uh, because it always, I've found, because there's times I have done that and it's always come back to bite me. Yeah, and bites in the ass. It, it's done it for me as well. Yep. Yeah. When, we, when we, this one came up, everything was cash. Um, we had a ton of equity and we went to the bank. We had a good banking relationship with a local uh, community bank and we told them this is what we're doing and we bought it with no money down. Um, basically, we just used equity and a couple of the other single families as our down payment, we had it closed within about 45 days, but it's 20 units. You know, I, in my back of my head, I honestly thought, you know, this guy's going to want a million bucks for it. I mean, just a round number. And yeah, we were about 60% of that. So and just he was retiring though, or getting to that point of the life that he wanted to retire. He owned it with his brother who had uh, passed away a year prior. And um, he was just looking to just get rid of it. And I think this was a number he was comfortable with. He had just bought a lake cottage that he wanted to spend more time at. So maybe it was, that's a number that he needed to pay off his lake cottage or something. I don't, he never told me for sure. Yeah. Do you think there was, there was something, do you believe he knew the value it truly was or maybe just oh, the old times and he wasn't looking at it for a while? I don't, he wasn't a dumb guy by all. Yeah. Didn't at all, and he was he was in construction already. He he'd run a construction business for all of his life, and he was I want to say late sixties at the time. So he knew he was around the business. I don't think as a um, what would you as investment property. I don't think he really ran the numbers um, managed I, properly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know he didn't because he collected yeah. cash from most of his tenants. Um, so I don't know what was even reported. I don't know what he even had a record of honestly. For sure. So most of his leases were handwritten. Uh, so we turned around the management. Everything's online now. Everybody pays online, automated payments. Um, I use Buildium all the time for, for our properties. So they have a ton of features that I don't even use a fraction of, uh, but I still use a lot of them. But Yeah, I love that. I, it's funny how many people out there aren't really managing their deals properly. And those are exactly the deals you want to shoot for. You know, yeah. those are the deals you're trying to pick up and, you know, and how did you get that relationship again? Well, again, because he was in construction, we were in construction, we run yeah, new similarities. websites, you know, or just different supply houses, things like that. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so just over time and we only lived five minutes apart, 10 minutes apart at the time. So again, just common areas, we'd run into each other, social things. And I would just every once in a while, just kind of give him a hard time and, and nag him a little bit. Yeah, a couple just, elbows in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it went for a couple of years at least. And then out of the blue one day, all of a sudden, uh, I just did it again. He said yes. And I, I don't know what my face looked like, but I imagine I was pretty shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So yeah. let's talk about relationship building because in that circumstance, 100% all relationships, similarities, connecting, follow-up. I love what you said, you know, patience but persistence because mm – -hmm. A lot of people out there getting started into real estate, they, you know, they want that get rich quick uh, type of method. And it's just, you know, those are schemes. It's not going to happen in real estate. In my, in my personal experience, you know, some people out there, maybe, 
But right. you know, for you and I, it, it's more that long term. Um, slow and steady always wins the race. The relationships are so crucial within this real estate business. Has there been any other relationship building that has really like set up set you apart and kind of added to your success thus far? Because I know naturally you're more of an introvert type of person, same as I, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, but the relationships are very crucial. Yeah. And that's something I'm only becoming aware of again within the last couple of years. And yep. so I'm really trying to push myself outside my comfort zone to make contacts with people. But um, I've been so busy because I manage all these myself as well. And up until the six months ago, I was also working with my brother in the day-to-day -day business of our construction company too. So I was extremely spread thin. I'm pretty family oriented as well. We have four kids. That keeps me busy. So either way, but it is, it's true that you just have to make a way to make personal contacts and, and, and reach out. And I don't do nearly enough, but some of my goals for this year are building a team. And, and my next for this coming month is uh, a broker is on my list of, I have to find a broker and really make a contact with a broker that can, you know, be my go-to person. You know, I did, I, I've looked at some things over the years. I've probably had 20 different properties, but I was thinking back through preparing for this, our lead sources. And of those 20, 10 of them were just personal contacts. There's off market deals, just personal contacts. You know, only two of them were MLS properties. That was it. Only two of 20. And those were actually me just following up on them after a sheriff's sale because, you know, they went back to the bank, the bank put them on the MLS. And yes. So, yeah. so the broker that you're looking for, is that going to be somebody in the commercial space or residential? Uh, commercial. Commercial. Yeah, look just to capture the multifamily. Yeah. So with residential, me personally, like my experience, I think it is very crucial to build that relationship, but I've naturally loved to leverage as many as I can. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'll build up several of them and they're all sending me the pocket listings or pocket deals. So it's been very lucrative. Like if one doesn't work out or if one, you know, becomes busy or what have you, I got other ones that are constantly sending me leads and just the overall relationship building. Once I actually find out that location, I'm trying to conquer. It's been very beneficial. I assume in the commercial space, it's definitely a little bit more niche within the area. Yeah. Um, you never know. And I, I think you're right, especially in residential. Cause I did the same thing. I had a hand, probably four or five different residential brokers Yeah, and that I had had good contacts with good relationships. And I got leads from all of those. Um, and I think in the, to some extent, the commercial side can be the same. Yeah. Like, I'm just getting into this and just starting to explore it a little bit. However, I think it'd be good to have one key person, one key broker that you can take a deal to and say, you know, walk through this with me, help me understand yeah. this better. Um, but I think it's good to have those contacts. Um, from some other people I've talked to, they said because the market has been so hot lately that it is difficult as a newbie, more or less, getting in the pocket of a broker right now because they've got their buyers already established and um, for sure but still i need to try yeah yeah patience but persistence right exactly that's right <laughs> <laughs> um cool so I, let's talk really quickly about the one deal you got creative financing on no money down you leverage it was a 20 unit complex yep um yeah. and then you just leveraged some of your other portfolio that was free and clear yeah so what happened was go ahead did you guys construct that into like a uh, a group loan, I guess, to do that or? Well, yeah, essentially, yeah, it was just one. Basically, it was the, we had three other uh, single family houses yeah. that we leaned on. Okay. But they just one note on the new 20 unit complex. And it was a 20 year amortized note. Yeah. Uh, and then what happened was uh, that was in 2012. Okay. And then they bought the 15 unit just in 2017 we refinanced the one from 2012 and we did a 1031 exchange on a single family. So between the two together, we again had no money out of pocket uh, going into the 15 unit complex too. And then by doing that, it, we went to a different local community bank and we released the lien on the previous three residential, uh, single family residential houses too. Whew. It's like real life monopoly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Our, trading our green for our red houses. So that's right. Yeah. Trade up. So yeah. for any of the listeners out there that don't know exactly what the 1031 exchange is, I know there are some 
there's some uh, rules and regulations that kind of you need to participate and obey. Uh, so can you kind of just break down because you've already been there and done that? Yeah. And, and honestly, that was our first one. I'd look to do some before that, but that was the first one we were able to really successfully meet the timing guidelines because that's the thing. At closing of the first, say, a single family, and you have to trade up to um, a more valuable property. Um, I could be wrong, but if I remember right, it can be in the same type, but it has to be more value. So uh, we sold the single family, let's just round it off, say $100,000. Mm-hmm. Money has to go to um, a intermediary and he holds the money. So we never get the money at the closing. Okay. Within, I think it's 45 days, we had to list well, we knew which property we were buying already, but you have to list a couple of properties, your target properties, replace it with. Yeah. Then for six months, you have to close on that final property. And then basically what happens is you pay no capital gains taxes on the first sale. So that $100,000 house we sold, our basis in that was, I want to say it was around $40,000. We were going to owe about taxes on $60,000 plus mm. our recaptured depreciation. So basically, it really just kicks the can down the road, though because what will happen, the basis transfers to the new property. And then if and when we sell that one, we would have to do the same thing again or pay the taxes. Yeah, so basically it's just deferring your current taxes to a later date whenever, you know, and, and you can constantly just keep on 1031, 10, yeah. 1031, 1031 exchange and, uh, and prolonging all these taxes, which can be extremely lucrative to be able to leverage more and not pay Uncle Sam you know, a, a ton of money up front, which is awesome. Yeah. Cool. So uh, back in 2007, 2008, when, you know, the, the market took a dive, how did that affect you? And did it affect you at all? I, I know you said most of your portfolio has been free and clear in the past. Did that affect you at all? No, it didn't change anything for us. Um, nothing changed. Like I said, I think because we didn't, we've never had, yeah, we were always cash. And so, um, but our, our, our tenant base has stayed steady all okay. the years. Really, out of all these properties, our vacancy rate is essentially zero. The only time it's ever vacant is if we're rehabbing something, like the one I told you about earlier, we're yeah. going to right now. <clears throat> and that's been, that's been vacant since, um, I don't know, it's been vacant about three weeks. We went in and put new carpet in and painted, and um, it's, it's already leased again. So it's pre, I'm pre-leasing most of my stuff. Um, okay. Like this one, you know, they're going to move in as soon as we have it finished. So which should be next week. All right, Chris. So I need to dive into to this, you know, property management with you because I do my own property management as well. And obviously I got a thing or two I can learn from you. So how the hell are you doing it? You know, how, how are you getting, are you, do you have like your own team that you're kind of building out with property management or like, how um, the hell are you doing? I wish I had a great secret, but I honestly don't. I just Come on, give me the secret sauce. I know there's something, right? Uh, yeah, no, I would tell you if there was, but honestly, I'm looking to find a team and try to build a team. And, and I've even looked at, I'm considering going to a third party project or a property manager because right now I'm at 44 doors and my goal for this year, call me crazy, but is to add 50 doors this year. That's and not crazy. I love the goals. That's huge. How do I do that? How do I manage a hundred prop doors by myself? I, I you know, so the next step, and I've toyed around possibly hiring a part-time assistant, but I may just go to a an actual, you know, PM firm altogether and just turn it all over. But um, I will say, I when we rehab a property, I've been known to over rehab. So mm. it's into our property, it's essentially brand new. And if it's not brand new, it's extremely well maintained and taken care of. So there's almost no complaints or any type of callbacks for any repairs. You know, your water heater doesn't go out at midnight on Saturday night of Christmas Eve when it's going to cost you $800 for a service guy to, you know, just come out. So I do it all up front. Um, So the other thing is, that's one, is have a very beautiful place for people to live and it attracts people in. So the property I have right now, um, I was telling you earlier, I get, you know, two, three, maybe four phone calls a week on one 20-unit complex. And... I don't even advertise it. People just drive up to it and they find a tenant outside and they ask them for the manager's phone number and they give it, they give me my number and I get a call. So that's one way. Um, another way is that when I do advertise something, I put it on Facebook Yep. on marketplace and I don't put a sign in the, I used to put signs out, but I would get, you know, 50 phone calls of every little question possible. And most of them are not, 
they weren't uh, qualified tenants to begin with. So yep. I use Facebook now and um, <clears throat> I get just as many leads. However, I can usually see their profile and uh, gives you a pretty good indication of where they are and, and what they're about uh, before they even step in the property. And again, the last couple that I've leased out, what I've done too, is I've used a jot form. Okay. I set, I've set up an application or a pre-screening application on there. Get a lot of their information from that. What is it again? I'm sorry. It's called jot form, J-O-T, like jot down a note. Okay. Form.com. Never heard of that. Yeah, it's just a free thing. And basically what it does is you set up your, and you can save on there your application or whatever form you want to do. It could be a survey. It could be whatever. Yeah. You can email a link out to anybody then um, or a group of people. <clears throat> and so I do that. That's not new to me. That was actually a referral from another investor. And um, it always is like the, the little secret about real estate for any listeners out there. There's nothing new or, or unbelievably different like the burst strategy. It, it's yeah. been around forever and it's the same value add uh, and cashing out, but you know, people coined it that. So it's relationship building. So you can learn. Yeah. I've never heard of that form. So that's, it's going to be yeah. very huge for me. Yeah. And it is, it saves time because it's essentially an application. The only thing you can't collect on there is a social security number, but everything else you can get their information and you never have to meet them. You just send it to them. They send yep. it back to you. I qualify. Does their income meet? Do their, do yep. their references meet up? And then if they don't, it just saved me a trip to the property to show something for a dead end. And so that's, and, so and that's one way to do it. Um, it's funny you mentioned that though about the bird because I was thinking back through some of the stuff and I've heard people say that before, you know, there's no new terms or there's new terms, but there's no new philosophy. Yeah. In 1996, when I, moved, when I graduated from high school and I thought I was great and I was going to get out of mom and dad's house, I bought a house and I was, you know, essentially just turning... 18 years old and uh, I house hacked it and I didn't even know what house hacking meant at the time, but yeah. way, it was a little house that I rent out to three other friends of mine and myself, all four of us lived there together and they paid me rent. And, um, but I did that twice throughout my life too. I had a duplex I did the same thing with. So yep. I do the same thing. I mean, it, it, it just makes sense. And, uh, and kind of like Robert Kiyosaki says, it's like your, I think Grant Cardone does as well. I mean, it's common sense when it comes down to finances, but, the, the place that you're living in, if it's not making you money, then, you know, it's not an asset. So I like to rent my place and then I buy assets for investment properties. So it just makes sense. But it, I mean, to some context as well, like if you have a family like yourself and then you're, you plan on being stable and, and staying in that town, that area for the long term, then stability for a family is very, uh, very much needed. So you might as well pay down your, your mortgage. But, but there's another side to that as well. We just, so we just bought a house. Uh, well, it's been um, seven, eight months ago. And um, we actually put down a lower down payment than we originally were going to. I put down 20%, but originally I was going to put 30% down. Okay. And because I had the cash and I wanted to do it to have a lower payment. However, we decided instead uh, with our fourth baby on the way at the time, um, instead of opening another college fund, I'm basically now looking for a duplex to take that extra down payment money and put that duplex into there or put the down payment into the duplex. And that's going to be her college fund, basically. I love and that. It'll be paid off and cash flowing 100%. So, yeah, Brandon Turner uh, on Bigger Pockets, yeah. he's done exactly that with a fourplex for his baby girl. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, that is so brilliant. By the time they're 18, they'll have you know, pretty much free and clear property or close to it depends on how yeah. you structure it. And then, you know, cash flow like crazy and give them the opportunity of like, Hey, I bought this for you. Do whatever you like with it, you know, which is huge. Yeah, uh, exactly. I want to kind of dive into some of these management tips that you brought up because it, it's really, it's awesome. And, you know, it's kind of like confirmation for me, like I am doing something right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it makes sense because, you know, it, it has brought the success that I've had thus far. I do have vacancies a little bit more, I think, than, than yours of 0%. But, uh, but nevertheless, like doing that full remodel right from the start and not having any issues with the property, like the property you're fully in control of and, and uh, you know, it, it's good to go. Right. That has helped so much with getting with getting the interest, like when people drive by and they see in the neighborhood, like I want to live in that brand new house pretty much. Uh, it right. just makes sense. Everybody that sees it, 
they love it. They want to live there. So uh, kind of a little bit more of a incentive and I guess urgency because there's other people fighting over it. But also, you know, then I don't need to worry about the, the property itself for the most part. And it's really just me screening diligently on the person. So right. as long as I get a rock star person in there, that's not going to drive me crazy and be any like chaos, then nine times out of 10, I'm not getting any calls. And this is all right. virtually, you know, like people are asking me and I'm sure they're asking you as well. Like, how the hell are you managing so many doors, still buying more real estate and, and doing all the property management all on your lonesome, all by yourself? Yeah. You know? And that's, that's how it is. And when you, when you take care of them, here's the other thing. I don't have a lot of turnover either because I don't try to, I try to be fair with my rates. You know, that's probably the one thing I might be even a little bit on the low side is my rates might be a little bit low, but my philosophy has always been, I'd rather treat someone well, let them pay well and have them take care of our property well. Because as you know, when you do turnover, you can quickly wrap up a few thousand dollars in repairs and rehabs. There's your entire year's worth of profit that you made from the property. Yeah. Uh, it adds up quick. Every single year, it just all of a sudden is gone. A uh, real quick story. In fact, I've got one lady, I, I forget now off the top of my head, but I think she's rented a single family house for me for I think 16 or 17 years. And <laughs> I never hear anything from her. And she pays like on the 30th of every month for the next month. I mean, it's always a day or two ahead of. So anyhow, about a That's year, awesome. I asked her, do you just want to buy it from me? You'll save. I did the math for her. with everything. You'll save $100, $150 a month. No, I just enjoy just renting right now. And, you know, it's great. I'll keep taking her money. But at the same time, I really, number one, want to get out of single family. But number two, yeah. hey, I'm doing you a favor. Buy the place. Get some equity. Don't throw it away. Yeah. But these years, she's been great. So You know what's really cool? Like, obviously, and, and it goes both ways. Obviously, you're trying to get out of the single family. But you obviously have the heart to, like, your mind's in the right place. Your heart's in the right place um to give that option out because you could just be that guy of like hey no problems ever never get a call from this woman she's always paying before you know when it's actually even due just like a no-brainer but then but then obviously like you know kind of giving her that opportunity that's huge uh, yeah, and some yeah, people, I, they, they just don't want it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the case with her. She's a great lady. I think she just doesn't want to have the, the, the that hanging over her head. That made me think of something else real quick too. Um, something else with management. Obviously, 25 years I've been in this, I've heard almost every story possible as to why the rent is not paid on time. But now um, nobody gets more than a month behind with me. And if they're more than a month, I know they're never going to catch up. It just, it's, it doesn't happen. And yeah. so I'm not afraid to evict, you know, when the, when the circumstances are such that, that it needs to happen. And, and usually that's at 30 days. If it's for some reason gone that long already, we need to have a serious talk and, and figure it out. And so, but honestly, I've not even been to court probably in, well, let me look when I sold my last house that, well, anyhow, it's been years. I, I can't remember. It's probably been 12 or 13 years since I actually went to court because oh, wow. I've just stayed on top of people all the time. And like I say, when it gets to about, about a month, if they're a month overdue, I just tell them, you know, give them eviction notice and say, leave tomorrow, give me the keys, no no more money, change his hands, I'm not going to, you know, pursue you. Yeah. Or if you don't want to do that, then we'll go to court and people always disappear, so. Yeah. No, that, that's a... That's a great strategy as well, um, just to save the headache and the time involved. You know, just tell them to get out and toss over the keys, and we'll call it a we'll call it an even trade. Um, yeah, because on average, if I'm renting the place for six fifty a month, let's say I, I saw what I lost a month's worth, you know, six hundred fifty bucks. I would have wrapped that up in my time and attorney fees and court costs and everything else. Chase, then in Indiana, it, it, you know, I probably never would have got the money anyhow. Even if I got the judgment, I would not have got the money. I've never gotten money from, from evictions. So, uh, yeah. So it, it's kind of funny. I, I have uh, one tenant that she always, you know, there's always something that comes up and always, you know, a, a few days to like a week late sometimes. And I really, in the lease, I, I almost feel bad about it, but in the lease, I, I really structure it to reward them to pay early. And mm -hmm. like really penalize fees if it's late and, and more importantly, not told ahead of time. Um, you know, I'm always willing to work with some, I'm very big on transparency and I have to be when it comes down to me doing my own property management, long distance, like everything yeah. is all about transparency, but she's totally okay. Every time paying, you know, late fees. And I'm like, 
I, I feel bad, but at the same time, like she, I don't, I don't know when we're actually going to catch up to, to make sure that this doesn't <laughs> happen. And I've, I've given, I've given the opportunity of like, Hey, no late fees this month. Just like, let's get it going because thinking like maybe it's just always a little bit behind because of the late fees as well. But then there's always something else. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> I don't know, but really, yeah. good, you know, great people, but just okay with spending more money than has to be. Yeah. And you know, that, that I should go back and give the caveat. I don't want to sound heartless because there are those exceptions. I do have a couple of tenants who I have worked with in the past. I know they're single mothers or they might be, I know that some of the personal situations they may have going on and they explain that to me. And again, if people were upfront and honest with me, I'm a human being just the same as they are. I could fall in hard times just the same as they could. So if they're going to be honest with me and they follow through with it and say, okay, here's my payment plan. I'm going to pay $200 a week until this is caught up and they do it. I'm fine with that too. I, I let people slide with that. Um, but it, so it is, it's about, again, relationships, the relationships on both ends, obviously. Um, and, and just, but they have to follow through. The minute they don't follow through is when you really have to, you have to follow through on your, your side as well. So. Of course. I like that. Yeah. I mean, God, there's, there's so many good things that you mentioned. You know, I, I think I, I use the same strategy when it comes down to stalking their Facebook or social media. If, if the tenants are interested in really seeing, you know, you put on here or you mentioned to me verbally that you don't smoke, but I see a couple of pictures here of you smoking outside with your buddies. You know, like what's yeah. that about? Well, I do it occasionally. Yeah. So there's so many things that you can really find out about a person by just, you know, uh, by stalking a little bit and doing your own due diligence on the person on their social media. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So cool. Well, um, Chris, I mean, God, there's so many good things. I, I swear there's like one after another, there's so many awesome things. I think something that really stands out as well is like, you know, you paying all cash and really leveraging sl slowly over time, um, <laughs> your portfolio. So therefore you didn't have, any craziness that like 95% of America had uh, <laughs> when the crash happened. Like I'm sure the feeling was just like overwhelmingly like such a blessing knowing like, Hey, my family is okay. That like, I just need to keep these things rented. And I'm sure that wasn't an issue uh, from, yeah. from high yeah. screening. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, and it's still, even to this day, I mean, I see the benefit of, le of leverage, but um but also we're still probably only 50% leveraged overall, but we, you know, it's just, I feel comfortable there too. So, yeah. That's so cool. Chris. So for any listeners out there, like, is there, is there something in particular that you believe kind of set you apart from other people, I guess that said or, or felt the need or, you know, wanted to get started, but didn't get to the status of 44 doors currently? I don't know. Honestly, it's not, because so many years went by, I just did it by accident. And yeah. I just, it was a hobby, it was a passion. I think the other thing is though too, is I, I am a very detail oriented person. I'm a perfectionist by nature. Yeah. Uh, so I can have a very uh, tough time with analysis paralysis. Mm, okay. And so, which is kind of interesting because I went from a, from managing single families to all of a sudden overnight jumping into a 20 unit multifamily complex I've never even thought about before because the guy just surprised me when he said yes. So well, well when the numbers work out so so damn well 60% under it's like it's a no brainer. You're, yeah, you're exactly. <laughs> but I guess what I guess to say that is I could have sat that and analyzed it, you know, 6 days to Sunday, but um I didn't. I jumped on it because I knew my numbers. I knew where I wanted to be. I knew where I had to be. And because we had no debt, we had a lot of equity and credit available. We just jumped on it. So all that to say is do your homework, but at the same time, when the time is right, don't wait forever. Don't drag your feet, especially in this market right now. This is ridiculously hot. 100%. Yep. So we're in Fort Wayne and, and, and Fort Wayne is the most, it's just, it's the best city I think in the country and yeah. there's several surveys that have showed it as well that um, most affordable for families and all around with the jobs that are available so if there's something available today it's not tomorrow if it's a good deal anyhow and so you have to know do your homework know your numbers know what you're able to do and jump on it when the time is right don't sit and think about it forever um, so that's one thing another thing I think for me is being patient like I said patient but persistent Yep. Um, both of the two larger complexes that I've gotten took several months 
and in one case, a couple of years to get the sellers to even say yes, to even consider selling it. But a I just couple years. Yeah, yeah. The one guy was a couple of years that I just continued to follow up with him. And then um, the most recent one took about eight or nine months that I just kept following up with them and just politely saying, hey, you know, just checking in with you again. And, oh, I'm not ready. Okay. You know, just kind of make some small talk and, and just kind of be friendly and not be annoying, but just let them know that you're still there waiting and ready. Yeah. Uh, so that would be another thing is, but again, not jumping on a deal just to get a deal because that's bad. Yeah. And it's so true. I mean, I've never actually ran into somebody that followed up for a couple of years. I, I think that's super cool, but, but I have personally just pushed it too fast and, and tried getting more deals because, you know, I made a big goal originally and it wasn't, it was getting closer to that deadline. And I was like, I need to get more deals. And, uh, and then I'm forcing things and it would always come back to bite me in the ass. So it is very crucial. Don't force it. You know, the numbers, it, it all makes sense. You know, it's all math. So yeah. doing your due diligence properly um, is crucial. But the follow-up, the follow-up with you, my friend, is really something unique. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, else, I guess real quick is goals. I, I just got in goals in the last few months here. Yeah. Uh, I had goals, but I never wrote them down. I've never written down a goal. I've never broken down into action steps. I just, it was kind of a pie in the sky setting out there of a goal and it's in the back of my head all the time. But I'm surprised how much my, I broke it down into weekly action steps and every week I check in on those. And um, I've, I've taken some action in the last month or two, I would say, that I wasn't able to take for the last year or year and a half. Uh, just because I've actually written it down. I've actually broken down an action step. So that'd be another thing. I love that. Almost like manifesting your future, you know, like writing yeah. it out, knowing exactly like it's one thing to think it, but we have so many damn things going through our head on a regular basis. I'm sure you got a, you know, a million and one with dealing with 44 units and uh, 44 doors and then having, you know, the construction business, you know, family, everything else. We all, we all stay busy. So, <laughs> you know, write it out, visualize it and, you know, start manifesting that, you know, speak it out to the universe, which, which is huge. Um, yeah. Have you had any coaches or mentors in the past or like, where did you get your education to stay so persistent and, and hit these goals? Really nothing. I mean, up until now, I will say up until now, I've not just from reading books, reading blogs, reading everything online. I mean, again, technology is huge. Everything's at your fingertips right now. So if you want so something, Google it. However, there's a lot of people out there that aren't the best advice givers either. So, yeah. you know, a little bit cautious with it. However, um, I joined a local uh, RIA. Uh, I want to say probably about a year ago, probably is when I started with that. So just connecting with other people there and then have a couple, find a couple mentors through that as well. Just uh, in not if there's been anything earth shattering, but just when you have a question or an idea of someone to bounce it off of, someone who's maybe been through it before or sees it from a different perspective than what I'm able to. So really, as far as any formal coaches, no, but just a lot of making those connections and, and just talking to others and telling people what I'm looking for, what I'm wanting to do. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before, so many people try to try to be hush hush on their plans and their ideas, but you know, you never know where a lead's going to come from. It might be, um, Another investor I know, he, he mentioned that he got a lead from his barber. You know, he was a guy was doing his hair and he told him what he was doing. And, hey, I know so-and-so looking to sell these units. And he got a lead through that. So, yep. craziest little things you never think about. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, I got a lead from property manager before, mailman. I mean, the, the, random, the most random connections end up falling into your lap. Somebody that was marketing to me, trying to buy one of my properties, we ended up finding out a, you know, deals together and a lot of different opportunities. So it's really random, but getting out there and letting people know like what the hell you're doing is pretty crucial. Now, yeah. do you think the last a few years since maybe the RIA group or, or what have you kind of transferred something to to get that more intentional and, and redefines your, your business within real estate? Oh yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely the reason is the, the, the relationships I've built through that group have pushed me to do that because people doing the same thing. You're not, you know, I realize I'm not a lone wolf out here trying to do these things. There's other people. And um, yeah, it's just, when you leave one of those meetings, you hear stories from other people and, and share with them and, like, yeah, that's possible. I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, that's, I think, human nature. If someone else can do it, I'm just driven that way as well. That if someone else can do it, I know I can figure out a way to do it. 
That's so. right. And I think, I think that's that drive that you need to have because originally, like, just like you said, I mean, all the information in the world is out there on the internet. You, you don't need to be a rocket science to, to be into real estate. You just need to have some passion to really dive in and be driven to get that mm -hmm. education. Now you could go out, you could get coaches, mentors, you know, what have you. I, I do almost recommend that because you can learn about 70% of the, the content in books. And then when you actually take that to the next level and get hands on, then it's a whole new learning curve that you're going to take on. And I personally, I, I did all the education very similar to you. You know, all the podcasts I could get my hands on, YouTube, uh, just Googling it and all the books I could get my hands on uh, for two years, at least four hours every single day, like no, no exaggeration. And, um, and then finally felt more confident and just some of my offers just started getting more accepted, <laughs> yeah. uh, once I found the location. So, uh, after that two year mark, but the relationships are, you know, it's very crucial. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Something so, else. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I, I want to talk about your goal setting and, and how you typically set up your goals. But, you know, if you have anything else to add on top of that, go for it. No, I just, yeah, my goals, I, you know, in the past, they've been, I would say I've had goals every year. I say like beginning of this year, even I said, Hey, I want to buy 50 units this year. Yeah. Well, what am I going to do about that? Yeah. I mean, 50 units just aren't going to fall out of the sky in my lap. You know, it's just not going to happen, especially again, in this market, it's just not going to happen, especially at a reasonable price. So um, through talking to one of the guys from the, the Rio group and a group that I'm part of, I said, make these goals that are in your control. Don't just set a huge goal, make it a goal that is within your control. So I redefined my goal a little bit and said, okay, my goal is to position myself to be able to buy 50 units by the end of this year. See, I transferred the responsibility back to myself rather than um, and being on everybody else. So yeah. I'm trying to build this team around me with the, the property managers, with contractors, with accountant, with uh, attorney, which I had both of those already, but I just, um, making sure that they're doing what I want to do. Yeah. So there's different things like this that I'm just working on every week, uh, making different contacts, reviewing, reviewing our processes, and, uh, yeah, just making sure that everything is in tip-top shape so that when we find the deal, we're ready to move on it. I love that. That's so cool. But, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think just breaking down the goal. Rather yeah. than just a big goal, write it. number one, write it down so you can look at it. Because I do every single week. I actually look at it. It's on my computer. And, um, and then I have the, every week I have action steps for that week to do and I check them off as I go. So, yeah, I think it's so crucial to really figure out, you know, the end goal, obviously of whatever you want for that, for that goal and then put a timeline behind it and then backtrack <laughs> to see like what truly needs to be done on a monthly basis and then break that, you know, just really define it to figure out, you know, what I need to do on a daily basis and just focus on it, you know, day by day to be able to, you know, get closer to that weekly, that monthly, that, you know, quarterly, uh, to hit that year goal. Um, yeah. and then just see how on track you are and, and just, you know, adjust, you know, slightly to see, uh, what needs to be done. What I have noticed is with goals to really make them big because nine times out of 10 in my personal experience, I make them real big bigger than what I, you know, if, if I was really shooting for like five properties or so, I like to make it, you know, if I, if I kept it at five, somehow I'll, I'll only get like three. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what the hell? I always end up getting just a little bit less. <laughs> so really shoot for the moon and then settle with, you know, hitting the stars yeah. um, is kind of the motto I like to go by. So shoot for, you know, 20 and then settle for 10 when you were originally okay with five. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's awesome. Cool. Chris, you're the man, brother. I, I know this episode, like I say this sometimes and maybe I exaggerate with some other people, but no, no BS on this one. I, I really love you, brother. Um, there, <laughs> there's nothing but great stuff on this episode. I can't Thank wait you. to get this out to all the listeners. So I truly do appreciate you. I know you're a busy man. You got the business, you got your family, which is crucial. And, uh, and you got 44 doors to take care of. So uh, I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Chris, uh, for any listeners out there, you just gave a ton of value. What can the listeners do to, to repay the favor? Is there anything that the listeners can do to add value to you? I don't know right offhand, honestly. I'm, I'm just doing my thing every day. Keep making my contacts. Um, okay. Just 
keep supporting you and guys like you. I mean, this is where I've learned. This is how I've gotten to where I am today is just listen to guys like you, you know, guys who are able to deliver the information and, and, and make connections with people. So I appreciate you and, 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 and other, you know, individuals like yourself who have taken that step to, to take it by the horns. Oh, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. I do appreciate that. Um, how can the listeners get a hold of you? If you don't mind, I can send you my email. It's a long email, but that's probably the best way. Honestly, everything I do by email. So okay. I can send it to you if you don't mind. You can share it, however, and, and uh, I guess yeah. I've been before. So yeah. If uh, you can, you can plug it on here as well. Just you know, if they want to listen, I'll put it in the show notes as well, or any like social media links. Yeah, the easiest way, uh, like I say, is my email. It's Chris, which is K R I S at SpringfieldRestoration.com. Okay. Awesome. That's it. That's my email, but um, email is the best way to get a hold of me, and, and um, I check that daily. So, Cool. All right, guys. Well, everyone that is listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, you're definitely going to want to make sure that you go and reach out to Chris. I know you found a ton of value on this, just like I have. You're probably going to want to pick his brain on a couple other things and really put the pieces together. So by all means, connect with this man and add value as always first, like he just did to you. Um, for me, you can always reach me at brandonelliotinvestments.com or on social media, Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments or facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott, R-E-I. With that being said, make sure you go to iTunes, hit that subscribe button on Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Get the newest episode every single Monday. And uh, do me a favor, leave a review, uh, send a screenshot of that to me and anywhere on social media or wherever. And I will hook you up and give you a signed copy of the magazine, uh, Success Profiles. There's tons of real estate investors in here, all different strategies. Me, I'm, I'm personally uh, talking about credit and how to leverage it, how to get 0% interest on credit cards for 18 months, complete all your remodels or even purchase properties. There's a lot of cool, fancy things in here. A lot of other experts that you can learn from as well. Um, nationwide. So you're definitely going to want to get your hands on that. So hit that subscribe button, leave a review that just helps promote it out to more people. And uh, yeah, tune in next Monday. So Chris, appreciate you brother so much. And all the listeners, thank you for tuning in till next time. Stay blessed. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well, brother. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.